Well, hello everyone. It's twenty-six video podcast episode of Siri Baat, and uh, from what I've gathered over the last few, few weeks, when we did our Youth Week, I was a very the reviews were very encouraging, and people who joined us wrote back to us saying that that's more such be, uh, was to be expected from us. I think we'll do, we'll plan about it soon, and we'll uh, let everybody know. And uh, I think uh, we've got a lot of. appreciation for that and uh, i think we have to thank our viewers for that yeah and uh, now moving on in this uh, this episode will be all about data data is the new oil as many people say and uh, i do not remember who exactly said that but i think it is the, of course going to be the uh, you know the uh, you can say defines it's going to define the order of the day in the next coming decades i think it's already doing that so now data is a very key Uh, element in policy making at various levels. You can't have data, uh, you know, half half and half data. You know, you cannot manage things without having any concrete data. So to talk about this, we have a very good friend of mine, and uh, she's also been my classmate during my graduation in Pune. So please welcome Ms. Bhavani Prasmarthi. She is from she studied a uh, B.Sc. in Chimbasu School of Economics in Pune, and now. as worked and is currently working at uh, the quantum hub which is a think tank based in hyderabad so i stand corrected with that uh, apparently it's a company based in delhi and not in hyderabad so moving on with that uh, she is also she is she is so if you look at it from the profile she's got she's an economist by training so economists like myself and her uh, we always meddle meddle with data we are like looking always at Whether the data is available or not available, and we also try to create data. So, in this context, Bhavani, can you give us an opening remark about what data, what you wanted, why you wanted to talk about this, and also what open data is, and you can explain what open data is because I'm sure not many are aware of what open data is. So, over to you for your introductory remarks. Right. Thank you, Pam. So. Um... what is open data so open data usually is thought of as like any data that is free and available on the internet but it's more than that right so when we talk about open data it should be free and uh, publicly available sure but we also talk about like credible data which is in like standardized format along with the metadata metadata is like information that describes the data like the statistical concepts used or the assumptions and definitions and so on and so forth and most importantly it should be in machine readable format which is something like an excel sheet because unless it is in a format like this you can't really perform any kind of analysis you can't really deduce anything of value from the data itself but if you look at a lot of data that we come across in india most of it is in pdf formats so that is not very really useful right because you have to like copy those numbers put them somewhere else and like then do the whole processing and like worse even most is in like scanned pdf which kind of takes out that possibility as well so when we talk of open data it's it, we are talking about this whole thing where there is data it's so this data is collected using public funds right using taxpayers money and so there's there's an obligation on the part of the government to actually give that data to the public it's public's data that you're actually giving it and making it accessible to the public and this is you know this is important not just for like research and uh, economists as pavan said but also for policy making because without data like what how do we know what kind of policies are working or how do we measure the impact of a policy without data like it said that a policy is only as good as the data it relies on 
and that statement cannot be truer than you know than this and in that context like why talk about open data now is in the context of covid i think a lot of uh, of course uh, covid has brought out like a lot of deficiencies in whether it's indian healthcare and like education and everything but i think something it has also brought about is like the defects in our data system which i think is not captured enough you know by the public uh, because if you look at even like the migrant crisis we saw like millions of migrants walking back so many people dying on the way those visuals were just heartbreaking but when it was asked uh, you know okay we should compensate the you know compensate the migrants in the, when it came to that it was stated that you know no data was collected about how many migrants died on the way back or how many you know uh, how many migrants lost their jobs due to the pandemic so this is really concerning right i mean i don't know i mean it's a different matter if it's like a collection issue or if it's like a transparency issue or like a dissemination issue but more important thing is there is a problem and that problem is not being given enough attention and so it is in that context i think it is really important to see what the problem is in our data system and how do we address it so that lack of data is not a reason why things are not you know going well so uh i think this is a very important point uh, the fact that the government was not able to collect data for migrant workers and it's not just migrant workers bhavani i think uh, if you look at the whole uh, general perspective if you look at the economic side of you know unemployed uh, what do you call it unorganized sector is not color, uh, the data for them is not collected it's not a, it's not in clear silos you only need organized you only present you are only presented with organized sector data so that's a very good point that you have made in the sense that you need to look at uh, how, whether the data collection mechanism that we have today is actually capturing whatever it can to the maximum extent i mean it should be pareto optimal in a way so uh, if you look at uh, the next question i have is supposing you have uh, the current system and you you try to research on a lot of areas so what are the challenges that you face you face and also what is your take on the way data has been collected so far and what are the loopholes that you observe because we all use a lot of data that you, you know we also try to create data by going down to the primary level at the primary surveys so what is the uh, what are your thoughts on that right so of course there are a lot of uh, constraints you face when you try to like get some data so one example of that is it's actually a, it's a very it's a very simple data point right i'm i was trying to find the education the how much each state spent on education school education in that state like how much did telangana spend for school education it seems like a simple enough thing it should be something that should be easily available right but it took me like almost a week and i'll tell you why because nothing is nothing is like uh, what you find is not it there is no, that's not it for the story like when i look for okay i was like budget so i'll look at the education budget so that has a figure when i look at the news article that has a different figure then when you when, then there is a discrepancy i was like okay what is the news what are the news articles including that like the budget does not have so i went through like all different budget the education budget sure and then there is uh, you know social welfare and tribal welfare budget then there is a minorities budget so each of them has like an education component inside uh, inside the budget thing 
So I have to go through and there are so many budget documents and there is nowhere, nowhere I can just find the total sum that is spent on education. But that is something that is the, the simplest of data I'm trying to find, right? And after all these, uh, the government also spends a lot on school teachers' pensions. Now that is not there in any budget. Now I have to go through like a whole <laughs> different thing to find that. And then you add it up and imagine doing this for like so many states to be able to understand how, how much India spends on its school education. <laughs> And this is like a big figure. And if you look at even like granular data, there is like a good chance you're never going to find it because it's probably recorded, but I can't find it because it's not on the open government data website where it is supposed to be there. Or I'll have to look at like individual ministries and like the affiliated institutions. For example, for agriculture data, I can either look at agriculture ministry or like the NABAD data. And more often than not, there is discrepancies between these two data sets for the same data point, like so the, for the same uh, indicator I'm looking for. So when these kind of issues come up, then you know, you know there is an issue because now you don't know what, what data point to use and like, how do I do this? Another example is when you try to do cross-country studies. So I try to find uh, some indicator, uh, data pertaining to one indicator in India, and I try to find a similar thing in the US. But usually whatever is available in the US or like other countries, that the same or the corresponding figure in India is usually not available. So now how do I do this? So you have to find like the nearest thing to India you can find and look for a corresponding thing in US, which you'll usually find <laughs> because US collects almost everything that India does, but like we, maybe India does, but then it's not disseminated efficiently enough for me to find it when I want it. So, and okay, coming to why do these loopholes exist? So there it's a, I think this can get a little technical, but I'll try to just touch upon different reasons. Uh, one thing is that, so you, you can't really fault the government for like taking this, uh, for not even thinking of this because there are laws in place that govern, uh, you know, non-personal data saying, okay, there should, has, there should be an open government data mandate and all of this thing. But then those policies are vaguely worded such that they give blanket protection to the data providers uh, in case there is any kind of an error or an omission such that you can't hold them liable. And there is no accountability mechanism to actually enforce the, what's written in the policy. They are more like an in advisory in nature of sorts. So that is like one reason. And the other is uh, there is no requirement for all data to be in like a standardized format. The, the thing, the checklist that I mentioned for open data all of these are just like stated, but there is nothing to enforce that kind of uh, regulation, right? So those are a couple of things. And then we talk, then we can look into like the administrative data and the statistical system and stuff like that. But I don't know if Pawan wants me to touch upon those because they can get a little more technical than what our viewers want, I guess. Right, because uh, I would just ask you to make it in a if you can explain it, try to explain it in a brief way so, so that the whole point gets you. That what is the uh, lacunae that is there in the administrative and the difference between what administration collects and what the survey puts out. So why is there a difference you can give us that uh, that, that would be enough, I think, because we can then move on to the other topics that we have. Right. So, um... So there, is, there are two kinds of data that the government collects, right? One is survey data, which is what NSSO collects, where you go and you collect the data for statistical purposes. And the other is administrative data, which is 
which the government collects i mean as a byproduct of routine administration for example if uh, the if the monitoring of air pollution for example to monitor air pollution you will collect the air pollution data but, but that data collected is a byproduct of the monitoring and not you are not collecting that uh, air pollution data for the you know for the statistical purposes it's just a byproduct of routine administration right so uh, just a little bit of historical context so when right after like get uh, after uh, independence when we were we were thinking of okay how do we develop our uh, statistical system at that point our state statistical system and the administrative uh, statistical statistical system were like very weak they were very raw so we focused on creating nsso which will it's a centralized system uh, autonomous it came under the isi and it would collect data and through sample surveys which worked fine but then eventually uh, due to this historical thing this thing continued and the state and the administrative statistical system were never developed as a result and when that happens right now we are in a situation where the the data collecting agencies that are closest to the people like the state system and the administrative that data is not credible so the the sample survey is kind of like supplementing instead of supplementing it's like replacing the administrative data and that is very uh, it's not even not just like cost uh, ineffective because you're kind of collecting the same data all over again but also it's uh, the people who are actually uh, doing the administration they also have the domain expertise in that area someone who's doing statistical collection probably won't have that kind of experience right so there's like a lot of reasons why it's a bad thing i won't go into like very detail but it is really really important that we develop our administrative statistical system because that is it's it's there you're already going to collect if you just improve that there is like a lot of potential in that data which is currently unlocked so yeah so lakrit if you have any question to ask for feel free yeah i was i'm i'm really you know listening to her very carefully it's uh, mesmerizing to know data plays such an important role because all the while in any profession that you are it's said that data plays a very major role and since we have been young researchers we have been reviewing a lot of things i personally came across a lot of uh, you know uh, data which wasn't valid and this question which uh, bhavani raised that you know uh, the news reports show something else sometimes the statistics are something else there has to be a confusion for somebody like us who are new to this who are for the first time doing research they'll get confused it's very common so in context to that uh, bhavani i would love to know from you if there are any tips for young researchers for people who are new to the research field i know where they can find different types of data and what 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 efforts the government has taken to help them out in this particular context and you know how they can make their study more uh, credible because like you said the study is based on what data they collect so how to not get in a uh, chaos and how to find the right data for the right purpose that's how i would love to love you to address this question for everyone right sure i mean that's i think not just people for uh, who are new to research but like even people in research face the same issues all the time so um, so what kind of so the thing is it's not like the newspaper uh, the data cited by the newspaper reports are usually false just that it's always advisable to i'm sure they usually in more most cases they tell where they have taken the source from like this according to census whatever so many uh, so many people or whatever this thing so it's always a good idea whenever you come across newspaper reports to go back to the source they referred and see if you can find the same data 
and cite that thing in your uh, you know in your study instead of taking the you know taking the number from the newspaper reports uh, like directly that is one thing uh, the other is usually where you can where can you find data uh, for any kind of socio economic data cmi is the best but then that's paid <laughs> it's not really free as such uh, rbi publishes uh, a lot of economic and banking related data and in general i think if you uh, go to the open government data website and see that there is no data available don't be disheartened it's likely that the data is still collected and just not uploaded there <laughs> so you go to the relevant ministry or like the affiliated institutions and look at their data economic survey has good data although it's not raw data but they have good uh, it's usually the the kind of uh, the kind of process they go through and come up with data that is very valid um about the new uh, initiatives at government i think two are really worth mentioning so one is called udisc which is education data so this is interesting in the sense that on this dashboard the schools themselves upload the data so it is so it's not like a collected thing and it's like a real time thing so like number of students number of teachers the facilities in schools all of that is and like district wise it, it it's granular data and it's uh, downloadable it's it actually checks through all the open <laughs> government data uh, checklist and that is a good thing that i think people are not aware but uh, that's a place that we should, people should go if they're looking for education data and the another similar initiative is called uh, national judicial data grid which is uh, for all judicial and e courts related data so again uh, how many prosecutors how many judges all anything related to judiciary that uh, that grid is supposed to be really good although there have been certain issues with e courts data that have been flagged like missing data and erroneous data and stuff like that but i think it's a good point to note that there are at least strides in this direction that something is being done even if there are some issues here and there and one exactly so so it is a good thing and hopefully this uh, the issue will be taken more seriously and some of these some of the gaps will still be addressed to make the whole open data mandate a more realistic future great i think another point to notice over here is even if you are writing generally since i am from the media sector now and i see a lot of this stuff happening you know uh, we we hold that responsibility on our shoulders to cite the resources to what we are referring to to what data we have we have and what we are trying to give to our audience so you generally have to be very uh, responsible to inculcate this habit of citing from whomever you have taken the data is a very good habit you should try to inculcate this in your writing as well so whenever you write even if it's a basic article or a blog that you're writing consider citing the sources that you have referred so that your readers have a better clue of what you're writing most of the times the source the resources that we uh, refer to could be wrong it's 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 possible and it's normal it's okay but at least when you have cited one thing that adds value to your writing is that you have given a responsible um, you are responsible enough to give the source that you referred in case there is something wrong with the source at least the reader is not mistaken and does not take the wrong information with him or her so i think this is a very good habit if all of you can inculcate this in you it would be really great and again bhavani has given some amazing uh, you know uh, tips for all the researchers young old or whoever it is to you know uh, make their research worthy and more credible i think uh, bhavani we would also love to know from you what do you think is uh, 
you know the measures that are needed to be taken by the government in this regard although i agree with you when you say that we cannot wholly and solely blame the government for not having all the data at one place they are making efforts and it's very good to see that they are actually making efforts but what do you think if you had to give certain uh, points as to this 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 is what the government needs to do or needs to look forward to an optimistic vision what would those points be and what what can the government do right so i think one of the things that is uh, not just desired but like really really needed is to develop the state statistical system because right now uh, for example the directorate of economics and statistics which is the nodal statistical agency at the state level it comes under the finance or planning ministry so when you have that kind of a hierarchy it's kind of difficult to you know uh, separate politics and data so there is a, always a scope of political interference in data and that sh that should really be avoided because data the autonomy of these institutions are like really important for integrity of data right and also if you kind of separate that and evolve it into one department of statistics at the state level it will also have the kind of resources and the autonomy to not just like function more efficiently but also help uh, you know also develop the system such that you train the you know the district officers the uh, and the whole the whole hierarchy can be like an independent thing that, like the way it's at the union level basically a similar similar replica can address two issues one is the development of the state statistical system can be faster and the other thing is the integrity of data can be maintained and can be like promoted through this kind of a delineation and another thing is like the thing i mentioned earlier the laws are like vaguely worded so if you can uh, have like an offenses penalty section such that okay i understand that you can't really hold them accountable for errors because there's always a chance that they didn't intend to make it but what is a good idea good way to go about it is like in the policy give them a chance to rectify the error and hold them accountable if they still don't rectify it right so that kind of a thing can really help in enforcing the accountability although while giving them enough authority as well and not just like holding them at a gunpoint all the time and another thing which is actually done in a lot of countries abroad which india can uh, you know learn from is the establishment of data labs so data labs are uh, it's raw data that is to the very the most granular level possible inside a lab environment so if you want to access the data you have to go to the lab and you can access that data but you can only when the uh, final output you take from the lab is only like aggregated tabulations or visualizations so that the privacy is not compromised because if it's so granular it's easy to misuse that kind of data so in the protected environment you can't take any raw data out but you can take like your final study or like the aggregated uh, things and that is something that's being done in a lot of countries uh, us uk australia new zealand and it's a little it's an ex expensive venture but then a, a few data labs can really help uh, you know especially granular data is uh, is important for local level planning and that's where you will need that kind of data and this establishment of data labs can really help in that kind of uh, way that's like a few things wonderful points and the data lab point is very fascinating agreed that it's a little expensive for sure you know and uh, since india you know uh, in india we really love taking inspiration from other countries the other democratic countries i think uh, eventually 
in a few years we might be you know we might be capable of doing this as well wonderful point thank you for the answers bhavani pavan if you would like to add something yeah i'll make one observation also given that uh, in india particularly at the local level as bhavani pointed out the statistics are not so robust like at the national level you don't have a certain amount of take for instance a simple thing like carbon dioxide emissions at this state level so do you have any proper authority with monitors that you you have a board that with uh, the meteorology department etc might monitor it but then does it get published at an annual series so that you can researchers can actually use it the answer is no because it's not just that data there is a lot of other uh, uh, what do you call uh, there is a lot of uh, i would call it more like uh, accessibility problems with because the format that is there might not be the format that you might want it in so this is a, this mismatch is always there in a lot of data take for instance the economic survey at the state level you have one particular series you might have a nationally standardized level of uh, economic data or socio economic data but the way you have variables at the state level will differ from how it's calculated at the national level so you might have it in lakhs you might have it in crores at this national level and you might not be able to actually see with the same data it might be but then you might not have it. so you might have it in crores at the state level so you might have a gdp at one particular figure at the in the economic survey it will reflect it in a very different number at the same year just because there is a revision of the series the whole thing also so and, uh, and for those who are researching in economics and maybe even socio economic Uh, data studies and all. I think you have to be aware of how the data is also collected. That is one thing I think we have to uh, learn and read up. Okay, you know because at the state level you have a lot of procedures to be followed, a lot of formats to be maintained, and only in those formats can you publish it outside. So this going back into the data. So you have to sort of do what engineering call it reverse engineering. So you have to go back to the ground level to see actually how it is computed as well. So that is going to be something researchers should take note of because if you do not know how it is collected in the first place you do not know what is the exact interpretation of even one small data point take for instance take, let it be something like enrollment ratio at this state level so it's so if you have to know what is that it's not just the final data point that matter but how it is collected also so bhavani uh, one last question would be it's not just about Uh, research with websites that you have to access data, right? So it's not just CMI, it's not just economic survey. You also have project reports. You have private agencies publishing reports on various aspects. So where does the researcher start at? If he wants to have some ideas, to, if he wants to start at looking at proper data, you know, where does he start? So that would be the way to end this question. So what what kind of data? It depends on what kind of data you're looking for, right? so yeah take for instance you have a person like say there's a journalist in front of you so he wants to look at her, or if you take lucky herself she's a journalist now so if she were to if you were to tell her to go and look for this particular so it was something like crime reports and all that where does she start at so that you might you might get a source at the newspapers everything but if you wanted to go ask her to go back to the source that you mentioned how would that be possible because that that it might there might be a fat chance that that particular data might not be public so where does 
that's where the publication of like metadata comes into picture so much more because how is the data collected the information about the data and if that is not there it becomes quite a quite a task to figure out okay how did they come up with this what does this include what does this not include but like to come to your question where do you start uh for crime data like you said a good place is to like look at any anything that is affiliated with the government so the e codes the concerned ministry or like or if you don't if you not looking for indian data then any of the un organizations world bank any of the credible institutions are definitely you start there but if you don't know how to camp, go to that credible institution in the sense you don't know where to start then your route can be through news reports because if there is like suppose some agency published data you can see like a immediately the next day uh, newspapers will be filled with okay according to so and so this is the data so you open one of those and see what is it they're talking about what has been released which talks about this data and then go back to whatever is mentioned in the newspaper so that's the way at least i, I go around if i don't know where to start you go to the news reports and just go back to the original source and then uh, pick it up from there absolutely at least i i'm happy at least newspapers and media channels are solving some purpose for people and that's that's hard that's like literally heartwarming at this moment thank you uh, so much bhavani i really would love you to you know send across a message to people listening to you to end this episode uh, with positivity so in your language as as an economist or as a person dealing with a lot of data what advice or what message do you have for people who are listening to you right now i guess um let's see <laughs> i guess one of the messages that i will definitely give is that like the importance of data in uh, india is so important not just in india but it's it's just uh, too important to be ignored there's a lot of talk around uh, personal data protection which is very important i agree but there is not enough talk about governance of non personal data which is collected by the government and i think it's really important and i'm just hoping that people take notice of this and the government also takes notice of this so that more and more things are done to like promote open data in the country amazing amazing thank you so much bhavani it was a pleasure to have you you made a lot of sense throughout the episode and i am i'm really mesmerized by the way you have put forth such complex points in such a easy very understandable manner and i'm sure everybody listening to us from in for whatever age group data is a necessity okay whether you are a computer science fifth class student studying what data is and process data is called information or you are somebody like us in the age of 22 literally beating your head with a laptop to find the right kind of data for your research i'm sure you are all in the, we are all in the same boat and data is equally important for all of us so make sure those of you involved in creating this data do it very responsibly and those of you involved in using this data please cite the sources very carefully look around do put in a little more time to find out the right and credible sources and never never forget to cite never forget to give credits from wherever you have taken the data make sure we create a society where we just don't steal each other's data and create a mess with all the fake news or fake data that we are spreading Thank you so much for joining in. We hope that this episode really really helps you out. If it does, please share it with the people who are involved in research or who really need to know all of this. Like the like the video, subscribe to our channel, stay tuned with us for more such very interesting videos. Pavan, anything you want to add? <laughs> Data is oil, so don't forget to use it like I mean you have to use it to the best possible 
manage to try to find out what you can get out of it because it has got tons of information that hidden in it so it's a fun tool to play with as well at other at, at research level not at the policy level because policy level you can you can play with data at the policy level you can do it at the local level. at our level you can do that so i mean data analysis is fun fill your vehicles with all the fuel before it gets uh, too expensive to in general <laughs> i know that was a lame joke but thank you so much for tuning in guys and we will see you in the next episode bye bye